Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to another edition of Sportsish with Elisa Hernandez. My guest today is Renee Washington, former Division I three-time All-American in soccer, sports reporter, anchor, model, speaker, author. I mean, there's so many hats that this girl has on. You can catch her on Fox Sports Radio 1340 Beyond the Headlines. Renee, thank you so much for joining us here on Sportsish. Thank you so much for having me. What a great intro. I'm excited to join you and looking forward to getting into uh, today's conversation. So one of my favorite things I want to make sure that I mentioned to us is that we met through a social media post that, <laughs> that someone did on Instagram. And I it was Women's Sports Day. And I went ahead and, and I went to the slideshow. I was honored to be on the slideshow. It was Ryan Nelson's slideshow, I believe. And I literally just started following all these women. And I messaged her and I was like, hey, like we should connect. Like I see you're doing dope things. You know, let's just like be friends, basically. <laughs> and that's how, you know, this flourished. And that was what, back in, I don't even know when that was. That was a couple months ago, right? National Women and Girls Day. Power of social media, you know, to connect us like this from a social media post. And here we are across the country talking to each other, three hours apart in time difference. But I love it. That's, that's what we're in right now. <laughs> exactly. So, all right. Well, let's go ahead and get this conversation started. You've been covering a lot of sports. You obviously played sports. And I noticed that some of the sports you do cover are a range between NBA, WNBA, NCAA, MLS. What has been the funnest part of your newest endeavors and kind of covering those sports? Yeah, I think uh, for sure, it's just the fact that every single sport has its own brand, its own like identity. So just covering each of them in a way that's unique and finding those storylines. And then also just the way that every production is done is different. So I just enjoy kind of having to adjust um, ESPN versus like MLS, ver- you know, everything mm-hmm. is completely different. So yeah. it, it keeps you on your toes, but it also also it also just makes it very um, unique where it's not like you're doing the same thing every game, every day, that no two days are the same. I always tell people that because I get that question a lot. But <laughs> the same. Every day is completely different because it is so fast paced and, yeah. and unpredictable at times. And that's what I really just enjoy about the fact that sports Covering them is a lot like what I felt playing them. I've never played sports. You know, my mom really wanted me to focus on school. I did try out for track. Well, actually, I was going to do track, but then I tried for basketball. And I'm pretty sure I okay. made the team. But then, you know, I'm 5'1", five 5'2", one, five on a good day. So <laughs> my basketball career didn't play out as much. But you had great success um, at the D1 level being a soccer player. What touched our listeners a little bit about your position and what, I guess, attracted you to the sport of soccer? Yeah, so I was fortunate in that I played a lot of different sports growing up. My parents introduced myself and my siblings to every sport, tennis, softball, swimming, soccer, basketball, track. <laughs> I do come from a basketball family, which is funny you say that you're five one, five two on a good day. We are all <laughs> tall in my family, okay? So we're all like five, I'm 5'10", everyone's 
Like every yes, we are all tall. So um well now awesome. see now I'm happy we're doing this interview as a podcast because you know that <laughs> high difference. Right? I'm gonna need an Apple box <laughs> next time I meet next time I see you. <laughs> that is too funny, but yes, yes. Um so it definitely was for me just a matter of figuring out what worked best for me, you know. Um basketball, soccer, track were really the main sports in my house. But I, you know, was drawn to soccer because I I just was following my older sisters. And I loved, I fell in love with the game and I just haven't really looked back since of just all that it allowed me to do. I was, I played every position except for goalie. Um, but my main positions that I was best at were in the attack, playing midfield, forward, scoring goals, getting assists, um, just really being able to be a part of the team's success by helping in any way I could. And so um, I was fortunate that I've met so many tremendous players, coaches, um, you know, just had so many great experiences that it really has opened a lot of doors for me. And it really has, as cliche as it is, really made me who I am. Uh, through the ups, the downs, I learned a lot about myself. I grew a lot. I learned a lot about the world through sports um, yeah. and just what is, you know, what's possible and what I can do and what honestly a, a lot of nuances about, you know, being a professional, being a woman, being a black woman, being um, a, someone that's ambitious. So it really helped mold me into who I am today. I completely hear that. And especially just being a minority woman in sports, we're gonna definitely going to touch on that. But before we get to that, you saying that sports kind of made you who you are, I'm going to bring you back to one of your Instagram posts that oh, I saw and you have very cute ones, but the one that I'm focusing on is the one where you're playing and the caption bear with me, my listeners, it says it's more than just soccer and sports. It's a lifestyle more than being a former three-time all American D one more than being voted a top 50 NCAA female athlete, more than the opportunity to try to play in the NWSL more than making history, winning championships and dancing in the NCAA tourney more than just a chance to talk sports on Fox Sports, ESPN, and the biggest networks in the NCAA, NBA, WNBA, and MLS. It's more than a coaching college, more than coaching college and youth soccer. It's all about paving the way and inspiring, motivating, and encouraging the next generation to be able to achieve all of that and more. Now, you go on to say a little more, but that first statement, I loved it because it was like it was like a humble brag, but at the same time, exactly, exactly. It it was a humble flex, which I respect. But what has been the biggest motivation for you to to continue to push forward to be more than an athlete, which is really the trend that's been circulating all the different major sports right now? Yeah, it's it's funny. I forgot I even made that post. Um, <laughs> So that just took me back. But it's I call research kids, calls research. No, <laughs> research. I'm like, what post is she about to refer to? But I forgot all about that. And I think for me, it has always been about more than me, you know, and that's I mean, to this day, I ironically just am finishing up coaching youth soccer and stepping away fully from coaching youth soccer as we're speaking. I just got off the soccer field. Um, but I, I think for me, it's just that there's so much more in life. And I I have seen that through my own experiences, the power of sports, the power of, I mean, look at even us, we're having this conversation mm -hmm. from across the, the country, you know, mm -hmm. like sports really can teach you so much about yourself. You can meet so many people, you can learn so much. You can also just have great experiences, whether it's trips, you know, I think back to going to play in different tournaments and playing different games all over the world. Yeah. Um, it just, it opens so much for you. And I, I think that for anybody that as much as I am, I am so competitive. Let me just throw that out there. First of all, I will fight <laughs> you. I will cry. I will scream. I will cheat. I will do whatever I can win. 
You my know, losses, <laughs> ties, goals, and whatever happens between the lines, like you really learn so much about yourself and, and, and there's more to life than sports, which is hard for me to even say. So I think that's something that as I've gotten older and really mm-hmm. realized and recognized just how much sports have done for me, it's like, why can't I do that for someone else? You know, I'd be selfish to haven't had all this opportunity. You know, all, I started out as a kid that was standing in the middle of the soccer field, picking grass. My parents remind me, I, I didn't know I was so bad, but my parents remind me I was terrible. <laughs> like the game was all around me. I was that kid that was like standing there biting my nails, playing with grass, like while everything's going on. So think about that kid, I had, I didn't have confidence. I was, I am a true late bloomer. I didn't start wearing makeup and dating and being social. And so I was in like college. So hey, I hey, hey, don't knock, don't knock on the late bloom. I'm also a late bloomer myself. I just learned better with time. Okay. Exactly. Um, like I, I just learned how to put eyelashes on. I just learned how to properly curl my hair. Like and, yes, prom. Like, eyebrows, prom yes. Honey, we could talk all about that. Big facts. Um, <laughs> I wasn't that kid growing up, you know, and yeah. it's, it's funny because a lot of people often say to me, you were, you know, I was bullied. I, I was not popular in the sense of going to every party or getting asked out on dates or anything like that. But I still still remember just who I was back then as a kid mm-hmm. and how I have really evolved. So I try to use my platform to help someone else in that same way. You know, I just think that sports is a great teaching tool. It does give you confidence. Like I'm very big on, you know, being able to speak publicly. So encouraging players to have that responsibility of of they're going to be the ones that step up and communicate, or they're going to talk to their teammates or talk to me, like all the little things that Mm -hmm. make you who you are. And that's what I try to really stress through my reporting, through the work I've done as a coach, through anything that I do. I I have some businesses I launched, another slight flex. Um, (laughs) Honestly, all jokes aside is just using my platform for good because there's enough evil in this world, especially from what I've seen personally, from what I continue to see every time I turn on the news, whatever it may be, there is enough in this world that I am just trying to do my part. And that's that's the biggest motivation for me to keep going. No, that's definitely, the, I think that's the biggest flex you could possibly have is when you kind of do that pay forward motion, when you kind of mm-hmm. see where you are, where you started and how you can help the next generation to go ahead and do that. So one of the things that I've been impressed with, aside from everything, I went bad, girl. So oh I saw that you were a member of the Atlantic 10 Commissioner's Honor Roll <laughs> for and spring semester. Yes, I'm going to call you out and with your good grades. And the reason why I'm doing that is because I mean, I'm sure I'm sure you know you've met athletes that just think it's all about it's all about the game. And I feel like with you being able to be an entrepreneur, you having that ambition. I know many many former athletes that later in life they kind of tell me, I wish I would have focused more in school. I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done that. You seem to kind of catch that wave early. So just talk about like the importance of that for these athletes out here that are in school right now, that are in college right now, that may think that that one class that they let it slip is not a big deal. You did go back. You did. (laughs) I'm impressed. Um, You know what? The thing is, there's so much that people don't know about me. And I'm like, one day, well, I am writing a book currently, mm-hmm. but I'm going to flex, another flex, yeah. another flex. <laughs> I didn't mean it like that, but I actually, I'm going to release that because what a lot of people don't know is I was a two sport division one athlete. I also ran track. Okay. I was an academic all American as well. Like okay. I received a lot of academic honors and another I flex, another flex. If, it weren't, <laughs> if it weren't for soccer, I could have graduated early. I was mm. done after three years. I had mm. eight or nine internships. Like I did a lot in college. I still am like, why? I don't know. Um, <laughs> but the way that I've been hustling and grinding has always, this has always been in me. 
You know, it's not something that just started recently. A lot of people are like, oh, you're doing so many things. I'm like, actually, I've always been doing so many things. That's all I know. But that's why I do always stress to people, your academics, that is important. Because at the end of the day, when you hang up the cleats, sneakers, you know, whatever sport you're playing, who are you as a person? You know, I, I to this day, and, and now it's funny, people are like, um, I sometimes feel like I'm getting washed up and nobody knows me. But every once I'm like, all right, I still can. I can still share a story here and there. Um, but those stories of when I played back in my day only go so long. At some point, you've got to be able to move on towards your future. So what would you do if you could not play sports tomorrow? If you had to retire, if you had, God forbid, a season ending injury or something happened and you can no longer play sports, then what? Not to mention, not only is it just to prepare for the future, but it also just makes you more of a strength of an asset. You know, if you're able to say, you know what, I'm, I am a professional athlete. I've got three degrees. I speak multiple languages, whatever it is. That's going to go a lot further. You gain so much credibility, so much respect. You don't know what doors you're opening. You know, a lot of what I'm doing now outside of just supporting is because of that work I've done. So mm -hmm. I think it is just to, to continue to diversify yourself. If you want to be more than an athlete, it starts by in the classroom, by getting good grades, by doing your homework. Don't be the typical jock and student athlete that's just sitting in the back, not paying attention. Be the one asking all the questions, raising your hand <laughs> first, because you can be more than an athlete. And knowledge is power. And I think we lose sight yeah. of that. Yes, your talent is also power. And my parents always said, you, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. You use it to open as many doors as you possibly can. Don't get me wrong. But you've also got to feed the other areas of your life. And it starts with your, your mind. The, the ability to be educated. First of all, we weren't always able to be educated as minorities in general. Mm -hmm. We weren't always allowed to get an education. So I will never take that for granted. Speak but on also, it. it really is power to be able to now read through contracts or read through, go through an interview and be well-spoken and be articulate. You know, whatever it is, it just helps in so many ways. So I mm -hmm. always reiterate, do not rely on anything. The moment you put all your eggs in one basket, you're doing yourself a disservice. You've got to be as multi-talented as possible. If you really truly want to be more than a blank, an athlete, a coach, a whatever it may, a reporter, whatever it may be. No, nah, you're right. I mean, honestly, when when you said that, you know, I thought of a joke, but it's like, realistically, it reminds me of the Boondocks episode where Riley was <laughs> like, you got to say every word like this because it's <laughs> true. You know what I'm saying? We have to make sure that we present ourselves in multiple ways. Yes. Everyone tells, oh, wear multiple hats or multiple hats. But as women in sports, as minority in sports, you always have to do 10 times the work to get half the credit. Mm -hmm. That's one thing that we all know yes. since we was in school, since everything. And one of my favorite quotes is every overnight sensation was 10 years in the making. You know, everyone thinks you just popped up on the scene and, oh, you're, you're this and you're old. She must have got this job so fast. And it's like, look at my track record. Mm -hmm. I've been in this industry for like five, six, seven, eight years. I've been covering events. I've been going here, been going there. You just didn't know me. Time. Yep. Exactly. So, I mean, I think I think that you're completely correct in trying to build that balance but at what point did you feel while you're playing soccer like I gotta have a backup plan or you know maybe this maybe this isn't gonna pan out the way I wanted to like when did you ha start having those real conversations with yourself well you know what I always did and it's exactly as you said because of the fact that I don't ever want anybody to be able to say oh you just got here because Hmm. No, no. I, <laughs> you know what? I'll be the best soccer player I can be, but I'll also be the smartest player I can be. And I'll be the, the be best of anything, anything, mm -hmm. I, anything I am doing. I want to try to be the best because also I never, ever want to let somebody 
be able to question my reputation, my work ethic, mm-hmm. um, my abilities. And that's something that as a minority, I learned as a, at a young age, mm-hmm. because my, as you said, my parents told me the same thing. You always have to be 10 times better. So while I'm sitting out here and, and I still think back and I'm like, gosh, I didn't realize just how much everybody else was doing. I thought I always had people saying, oh, you're, you're playing so much because I played soccer and basketball and all these different mm-hmm. teams or you're doing so much. Meanwhile, some of my classmates, you know, a white classmate, for example, they're in every club. They're in every they're mm-hmm. with every tutor. They're mm-hmm. doing every everything under the sun possible. So the I don't ever let anybody else dictate how much they, I should or should not be doing. That's my decision. Because I'm also trying to be the best person I can be. So mm-hmm. being educated, I read a lot now. I didn't read that much growing up. I always was like, oh, I was a Spark Notes person. Speak I on it. Book. Speak on Every it. Book <laughs> Cliff read Notes. Class, I read it too on Spark Notes. <laughs> but now I'm like, ah, oh, darn it, I should have read more. Mm-hmm. But I read now, like even this year, I started reading a book per month. I'm like, I was never reading. I, it took me like years to read books. That's but discipline. Like, you know what? I'm going to read. I'm going to watch documentaries. I'm going to know as much as I possibly can know, because Mm -hmm. especially as a someone that's ambitious with aspirations, you don't ever want someone to be able to question you. And in this industry specifically, they're quick to point out as a female, as a black, as a minority in general, because you understand Mm -hmm. this, too. Mm -hmm. You don't know this or you don't understand this or or if you don't if I was to come into an interview and speak the same way I speak around friends and family and I, Mm -hmm. I take off my reporter voice. I guarantee you people aren't listening the same way. Yep. You know, if I come in talking very um, basic and I don't know any facts or stats or quotes or players mm-hmm. names or anything, mm-hmm. I guarantee you people are not listening. Mm-hmm. So your talent does get you in the door, but okay. everything else is what keeps you there. You got to exactly. be willing to bring your own table. So I'm not ever going to sell myself short and be just one thing. And I don't know if I will ever get to the point of having one job. Probably not. <laughs> But I will never, ever stop trying to learn and grow and be a better, be a better version of me. That's all I care about. What is with us and having more than one job? Like, what is that? What is that? Because, okay, just so from the listeners out there, we are already broke it down, you know, but just if you're just tuning in or if you fast forward at the beginning, Renee Washington joining me here on sports, the sports reporter, anchor, model, speaker, author, and radio host to the Beyond the Headlines on Fox Sports Radio 1340. and. What is with us with that? Because realistically, the way I look at it was like, I'm going to take every opportunity that I can, you know, and there's there's a portion where you have to be greedy. There's a portion where you have to be honest with yourself and you have to say, okay, what is it that I love? What is it that I want to do? You know, and I became producer. I was on cam. I was behind the scenes. When you're starting out, you kind of have to do a little bit of everything. And I feel like that's how you kind of build yourself up. You kind of learn what you do want to do, what you don't want to do. And even now, like I'm barely falling in love with this whole podcast. I worked on podcasts for years, you know, NFL networks, you know, R&B podcasts, which was a long mm-hmm. time ago. My boy TD and Nate Burleson, um, who just <laughs> won a two-time Emmy Award. Yes. I, I used to work on his podcast back at NFL Network on those days. And yeah, girl, put your stuff out there. You know what I'm saying? That, 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 that was back in the day, but I didn't appreciate the art of a podcast back then. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. And you know, it's you kind of grow with those kind of things around the NFL, you know, move the sticks, all these podcasts I used to work on. And I would just be there editing, you know, not seeing the real beauty in it. And now it's like this is just a real conversation you have with people. It's just a connection that you can get yeah. with someone, kind of get them to lay their, you know, lay their guard down, lay their hair down, and kind of just be real with you for a quick hour about what's going on, you know, whether it's in their industry, whether it's sports wise, hot takes, et cetera. And it's funny that you mentioned just like 
always wanting you're like I don't know I don't think I'll ever have more than one job and that's that's big facts because I just feel like if I have one job I'm gonna fill that other time with something else whether it's like like you said you just got that coaching to focus something else but like I just feel like if I give myself that free time I feel like I'm wasting time that that's been my mindset like forever and some people are like don't 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 you want a day off and I was like I just you know I'm off at like eight or I don't go to work till two like that you know I got pockets (laughs) (laughs) I find ways I find time to sleep here and there um no I honestly it just keeps me going like Mm -hmm. it I feel like it's what makes everything more worth it because if Mm -hmm. I was just doing one thing first of all I don't even know if I could pick (laughs) one thing I'm like I don't even know what what that would be but I think I would be bored you know that's why like I always tell people um when they ask if kids ask like about my thoughts on being a student athlete in college I'm like gosh, what else do you do in college? Look, what else do you do in college if you don't play a sport? I'm like, I don't know what else I'd have filled my time with. I know you weren't an athlete. (laughs) I was, I'm just saying (laughs) that you join a club. That's what the rest of us five, two challenge people do. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) But no, I mean, the thing for me is you only like, I'm all, it's so cliche, but you only really have one life to live. Like, why not live it? You know, I'm, I'm not married. I don't have kids. I'm like, I'm a big family person. So I do spend a lot of time in my family, but if I wasn't working as much as I'm doing going out and stuff, that's not really my drive. I mean, I go out every once in a while. I go out like once a month, whatever, but, (laughs) but I mean, you know, in all seriousness, um, to me, it's about, I have goals. I have, I have aspirations in my career of what I want to be and I need Mm -hmm. to make it happen. And it's not going to happen by just sitting back. It's the same thing. I'm a, I'm a use uh, being an athlete as a, as a, as an analogy. You know, when, when I was growing up, I didn't just wake up. You talk about being an overnight success versus the 10 year success, which is the truth. I didn't just wake up and I was good at soccer. I was terrible at soccer. I was awful at soccer. I played soccer every chance I could get. I missed home. Well, I didn't miss homecomings. I missed proms. I missed parties, sleepovers, birthday parties. I missed family get togethers. I missed a lot Mm -hmm. because I was playing and I was always playing. You know, it was not just the structured tournaments and games that my team had. I was playing in my basement, in my living room, in my backyard, front yard with the neighbors, with my siblings, whoever I could play with. It's the same thing in my career. And that's, and as, as we're talking about as a professional, because mm-hmm. if you want something, you've got to make it happen. And the more you learn, the more versatile you are, the more knowledgeable you are. It only makes you an asset. So now when you go to that company and say, look, I can write, edit, produce, talk on air. I can talk sports. I can talk news. I can talk music, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I got it to. That mm-hmm. makes you much more valuable. And then it gets to the point where people can't, they have to admit your talent. They can't pass you up. They can't mm-hmm. overlook you because of whatever politics, or whatever other reason. So for me, as a double as a double minority, I have to work harder than everybody else. I have I see so many people that just had that one job. That's mm-hmm. all they do. And you know what? They're doing fine. But I also know that just like how I caught people as a player that I always thought were ahead of me, I'm catching people as a professional. You know, if you're st- if you're doing the bare minimum and you're coasting, that's fine. If you want to, if that's what you want to do, I'm not complacent with just getting by. I'm always trying to push to push the envelope, and I want to be constantly evolving so that a year from now two years from now I'm like I'm not in the same place I was before you know so it's just it's a matter of I think mentality 
And I think that if you are in a, if you like, I was never given anything. I had to fight for everything. I have a loving family. I come from a two parent household. I'm not going to act like I come from a broken home, but <laughs> I was not living in a mansion where my parents were just giving me everything and letting mm-hmm. me I'm paying for this. And that. I had to work mm-hmm. for everything. I had to get a scholarship to go to college. I had Speak to get a scholarship to get my master's. Like I had to work. So I Speak know the value it. of your work ethic, you know, mm-hmm. and, and how many doors you can open through that speak on it and so all I can say because it's true I think one of the things that people see like oh well you come from a good home so this is what you're supposed to do and it's like yeah we were real poor back then (laughs) it's like like, I'm the baby of the family like I went to USC like uh I wasn't gonna have my parents pay for that so you know I worked my butt off in community college because that's where I went to community college then I transferred to USC on a full scholarship my parents did not pay one penny because I took care of that that's always been my mentality as well I I am an athlete on the inside just not I'm feeling that like if you didn't tell me I would think that you were an athlete bam you're an athlete you're I'm I'm an honorary athlete you're an honorary (laughs) athlete exactly but as you mentioned it is a different grind because we Mm -hmm. weren't giving anything Mm -hmm. you know I'm not entitled I don't think like there are people that I feel like think that everything that they want has to be theirs because Mm -hmm. they're used to getting things on a silver platter that was not me you know everything (laughs) I have I've worked for everything Mm -hmm. that I am I've grinded for you know and I'm lucky that I I do have a supportive loving family that helps encourage me Mm -hmm. don't get me wrong but they it's weren't. On you. It's on me. Anything mm-hmm. I want in this world is on me. I don't have mm-hmm. a trust fund. I don't have. Mm-hmm. People, I don't have relatives that are broadcasters or whatever else or anything like that. It's all on me to get mm-hmm. to where I want to get to. So that's why our grind is different. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. I mean, people are gonna be like, "Damn, at least all she's doing is agreeing with that." But you know what? <laughs> when you're speaking <laughs> big facts, when you're speaking true facts, it's really hard to disagree with that. That's one of the things that I've learned. So I come, you know, I'm Salvadorian, first generation here, you know, in the U.S. And nobody in my family is in sports. Nobody. I mean, everybody is legal, healthcare, you know, business, mm-hmm. self-management, HR. Like my contracts is straight. Like whenever I sign my contract, <laughs> I got my family right there to look through it. But, you know, other than that, I had to carve my own way in this world. And I'm based in L.A. You know how oversaturated the market is in LA? You know how hard it is, you know, to kind of break into that field and get someone to notice you, get someone to let you in, get someone to call on you when you're trying to ask Kobe Bryant a question, rest in peace. It's hard because they just see you as one way. So you, oh, you're a kid, oh, you're an intern, you're this, you're that. But the thing with this industry, which I'm sure you know, working in sports, playing in sports, it's small as heck. And the people that I used to enter, the camera guys that used to like, you know, placate me and shoot standups for me when I was an intern back in KCAL 9. They're the same cameraman that I see going to Dodger Stadium now. Absolutely. You know, and, and they see me and they're like, oh, you know, what's up, Elisa? How are you? I'm like, hi. And they're like, and then people introduce me like, oh, yeah, I know her. And I remember my boss, <clears throat> I'll never forget that funny story for you. So my boss, Alana Rizzo, she's now moved on from Sports in LA. She's on high heat on MLB Network. But when I started, she's, she was introducing me to people. And as she's introducing me, people are like, no, I know her. No, I know her. And she was like, I'm sorry, who are you? Because I hired you as my field producer. And now all these people I'm trying to introduce you to, they already know you. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I I try to make my way around this LA industry because it's hard. And I think for me, the thing that I admire about athletes like you 
is the transition you guys make. And I know that we, we touched on that earlier about athletics and academic and having that balance. But one thing that really hurts my heart is when I see an athlete that has so much talent, but that's all they see in themselves, right? Mm-hmm. So when they get injured, when they get cut, when their scholarship money runs out and they get kicked to the curb because they're not a medical medical scholarship, and guess what? They're not about to pay that bill at that D1 private school university. Yep. They're left picking up the pieces of what they thought their life was. Then I got the other athletes that do graduate thinking they got it together. They graduate and they have no idea what they're going to do because you know what? That stipend ain't coming in no more. Mm-hmm. That structure isn't there anymore. Those team meetings of people checking up on you isn't there anymore. And that I, I see them kind of go down a path where they just end up average when they are meant for so much more. Mm-hmm. So talking about your transition over to media, you know, t- making that that jump from being an athlete to covering these athletes. How did you make that move? And what was your I guess, what was your first break in this industry? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good point. And I even, I'll even take it a step further in that you have the athletes that all they ever know is sports. Mm -hmm. So they, once they do stop playing, they're lost. They don't, Mm -hmm. they don't know at all what, what life is without sports. They don't know how to navigate through the world when, when people just see you as a talent versus as a person. Um, then what, when you are the person and you don't have that mm-hmm. talent that's getting you indoors when you're no longer just the big guy or, or big girl, woman on campus, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think for me, it was kind of like a natural, um, transition. It was not easy. Let me clarify that. It was natural, but not easy. So <laughs> I was a public relations major okay. for undergrad and, um, was all my internships were in marketing, PR, social media management. None of them were in broadcasting. So I, mm-hmm. I remember junior year talking to my roommate at the time saying, I think I want to get into sports broadcasting because I had through my experiences realized, OK, this is what I like. This is what I don't like. Um, and I started to realize I didn't like sitting at a desk every day, I, but I did like talking to people. I liked mm-hmm. creating content. I liked um, some aspects of it. So I realized what mm-hmm. that looks like. And that's what I did. I was like, OK, what does this look like in a job? Sports <laughs> reporting. Um, yeah. So as I was working through, I still didn't think I was able to make that transition because I thought I was late. Granted, I was a junior in college, but I thought I was behind because I had other classmates Mm -hmm. that were having internships with Channel 6 News and ABC and NBC and every other network in in Philadelphia. So again, that's that's why um, I always stress just the, the right mindset, because at that time at I was 19, 20 years old, thinking I was late and behind. Exactly. Oh, we exactly. all thought we was gonna be married and have a career by twenty five. Right. <laughs> that's what we do. That's especially as women. That's what we do. We yeah. always have timelines of I'm gonna have mm-hmm. this by this age and that by that age, and that's exactly mm-hmm. what I was doing. Comparing mm-hmm. myself to what I yeah. thought I should be doing instead of understanding what I really was meant to be doing. Big so, um, when I was in grad school, actually, is when I was like, you know what? I've got to make that leap of faith. I was mm-hmm. coaching college soccer. I was getting my master's. I was um, realizing that. Although I enjoy coaching, I just didn't like coaching fully. I didn't like coaching. Like I was given an opportunity to be a, a full-time uh, first assistant coach versus oh. an internship. I had applied to mm. every job possible. While I was in grad school, I started building my, and of course, there's much more in depth, but I'll give you the Spark Notes version. I started <laughs> building up my career. I was doing freelance writing. I created a YouTube channel. I created my own website. I just slowly started creating whatever I could. I was mm. pulling from my internships I had to show, look, I've done this and video creation and editing. And because there were pieces, of course, that definitely correlate. And um, 
just started sending out anything I could. And somebody took a chance on me for a copy editor position I applied for, which I still don't fully know what that is, to be honest, but it's not (laughs) something I wanted. And actually was like, you know what, based on your ambitions, let's, we can create an internship for you. And I was like, fine, I'll do it. That internship turned into my first full-time job. I was there for two years. I was doing everything, everything, news, sports, anchoring, sideline reporting. Uh, I was an MMJ, I should say. I was on our panels. I just kept asking. I kept shadowing, learning, and just trying to figure out how I can continue to just get as much experience as possible. And I haven't looked back since. But I Mm -hmm. took that internship. I was offered an internship and I was offered a full-time job with benefits as a first assistant coach, an unpaid internship. I should, Mm -hmm. it was like a stipend, but (laughs) Um, I took the internship, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's something that when I, when I look back on the leaps of faith I've had to take in my life, that was definitely one of them, but it was not an easy transition. It took me realizing I can do this. It doesn't matter if I don't have the resume, if I don't have the real, I had the ambition. I'm, I'm smart. I can figure it out. I already know how to talk sports. I already know how to talk to people. Um, that's half mm-hmm. the battle right there, or most mm-hmm. of it, I should say. So it was just a matter of starting to just sell myself in that sense of like, this is who I am and this is how I can be an asset. And, um, you know, I, I don't regret a bit of it. I think my my journey, my path, I'm thankful for it because it is unique. I didn't have the mm-hmm. typical journey that others did. I, I did. I'm a late bloomer in everything, including my career. Um, so, you know, it was just a matter of figuring out and that's why you do have to learn all you can and be a student of life and pay attention in class and get your work done because I was able to make that transition easier for that exact reason. It was the work I had been doing years prior that made that transition easier, not just in that moment. So that's why you just never know what's going to play out when, but that's why you have to continue to keep refining your skills and learning and growing because at some point it will pay off. (laughs) <laughs> See, now I know why you're a motivational speaker. But you know, it's hard, you know, it's hard to think because I'm not much I'm a flashback to what you said earlier. It's hard to think that you were bullied. It's hard to think that you didn't have your voice. Say that. It's hard. Because I'm, like, I'm sorry, bullied where? You know, my story that- is a walking cliche. Okay. <laughs> I am like a walking stereotype of a kid. First of all, I have always been ter- I will give you all the backstory, Lisa. I will give it to you all. <laughs> Terribly skinny kid, which I'm still very skinny, but I embrace it now because I realize there are people around the world trying, trying to kill themselves to be skinny. Exactly. Exactly. I was like, no butt, no curves, no nothing. Um, I I was late. I got I didn't get braces until college, so I never was comfortable with my smile. I've always been taught. Well, I actually shot up freshman year of high school, so I was that kid that was like five nine and like a hundred pounds, soaking wet. Um, not even actually. <laughs> but I, I was like a tomboy. So I had, mm-hmm. I was cool with all the guys on like a cis level because I played mm-hmm. sports, but mm-hmm. none of them ever saw me that way. I mean, I, I had kids call me every, like I was, oh yeah. I remember kids used to throw stuff at me on the bus. I was, I was in the cafeteria with like no one to sit with. I was the typical <laughs> Yes, I could. Yeah, I, w- I would have sat with you. I would have sat with you. Okay. Because see me, I was the short. <laughs> Latina girl that always wore, her, always wore her hair in a ponytail, did uh, never wear no makeup, never and makeup. used to steal her sister's K-Swiss so that she could have hot shoes going to school. I would steal my sister's clothes too because my <laughs> older sister was cool. Uh-huh. And she had people in town. I was the younger <laughs> sister that nobody really saw that way. So I would wear all my sister's clothes. But that but yes, see, that's how we mm-hmm. we flourish now. We, we you know we're late bloomers. We just were 
growing. We were stepping in, you know, it's cool. It's cool. But yes, that was, <laughs> I was, so I was like, to other people, this is why you never know what people are going through. Mm-hmm. To other people, I seemed like I had it all. I mean, I was always the best kid on all my sports teams. I was always like all state, all area, all this, all that. But I Another cried. Flex, 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 flex. I cried <laughs> so many nights. I remember like my parents, I mean, I had so many conversations with them because I was mm-hmm. just miserable. I was, I, I was suicidal at one point. I hated life. I was like, it was bad. It was really bad. But that's why from the outside, you just never really know what someone's mm-hmm. going through. You know, and mm-hmm. I don't even talk. I actually don't, this is like the first time I probably have said it in an interview, but I really don't tell people that. I remember writing letters like, I don't want to live anymore. You know, like I, I just was so miserable because I just felt mm-hmm. like I did not fit in. I was always too black for the white kids, too white for the black kids too tomboyish to be someone's girlfriend but but in all the in all the conversations I just never felt like I fit in but now I've come to realize that's a strength you know I still don't fit in I don't have this booming social life I don't have people my phone if I (laughs) my nephew actually my phone is my nephew too (laughs) do we just become best friends I think so same thing I feel like we are like this is, oh my, I was going to say the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. I feel like we just became best friends. <laughs> Friendships are happening as we speak. Um, that's actually hilarious. So <laughs> I had, I was showing you because I have zero notifications in terms mm-hmm. of text. Like, phone's still dry. Nobody's hitting me up. Everyone's like, oh, this, you know, they think I got all this going for me. People assume I'm just traveling the world with guys and pro athletes banging down my door. That's not the case. I'm still a loser. But I embrace that because that's, in a it's in a good way like I'm mine I'm working I'm grinding I'm focused and I don't need the distractions of anything else so I've come to realize that being a divergent which is what I call myself um Mm -hmm. it's a good thing I don't fit into any boxes I'm not a carbon copy I'm not like every other girl out here every other person out here I'm different and I'm gonna embrace that so yes I we have just become best friends we we did we did (laughs) look I appreciate your honesty here on sports I'm telling you we was just trying to let our hair down and talk you hear some real talk and I I appreciate you sharing that with us and our listeners I'm pretty sure there's people out there thinking the same thing you know you always look back at that kid you always look back at how you used to be and just like Mm -hmm. how could I ever have thought that way you know like how could I've ever told her like you were going to be x y and z you were going to be you know you're not going to be athletes aren't banging on your door but you're over there getting those interviews you're over there getting Mm -hmm. that paycheck you're Mm -hmm. over there getting that bag and i think that's a that's the important thing that we definitely want to to showcase that and that's you know, this show is called Sports-ish because, you know, it's sports-ish. <laughs> and, uh, you know, one of the things that speaking on that and, and growing from your pain that you had, you have found your voice in a way mm-hmm. that I, I mean, I can feel it all the way here in California. You know? <laughs> so I'm saying it's instead of asking you, like, how did you find your how did you find your voice? I guess the better question is, how did you sustain your voice as not only a woman, a woman of color, a former athlete, but in this industry that's male dominated? And let's not get it twisted, fellas. I know that there's some good men out there that work and respect right. women and do what they got to do. I, I know that. But there are those some that live in the mindset that that's not how it should be. We still have scandals to this day. We still have GMs doing inappropriate things. GMs. Yes. People that should know way, way better, but they don't. One thing that I, I saw on Twitter today was someone saying the biggest mistake that I made as a woman in sports 
was telling myself early on that the toxic sexist culture of male reporters, athletes and with women in the locker room is just part of the trade. Because mm. the truth of the matter is that ain't true. And I've met plenty of athletes that know that's not true. And I met plenty of athletes that try to play ignorant, like they don't know what's going on, like they think you're there to look at them. So mm. my question to you again, how did you sustain your voice after you found it? Being in everything that's going on from 2020, 2021, covering sports in a pandemic and just kind of making sure you didn't get lost in the mix? Huh. You know, um, that's a great question. And I think it actually goes back to sports, being an athlete. There is nothing, I won't say nothing, but there is basically <laughs> nothing that someone else can throw at me, say to me, do to me that I have not seen before. Mm. You know, I, I, as a kid, as a player, as a, you know, just a young person just trying to figure my way, I have been through a lot. Like a, re- a reason why, I'm not going to say my my path was the hardest. I know that I had it good compared to what a lot of people had. Again, I come from a, a, a family where I've got two parents with degrees, multiple degrees, I you know, a stable household, a loving household. I know there are many things that could have definitely gone wrong, but I'm saying I personally never had it easy. It was never you know, all that on the outside, again, people will say to me, oh, wow, you're an All-American. I'm like, yeah, that's great. But what about the fact that I hated soccer for many years and wanted to quit because of all the politics and discrimination I was dealing with or the terrible teammates or coaches I had to deal with or the bullies I had to deal with or the, you know, whatever, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. I've dealt with a lot of things. And so when I get into the real world, when I got into the real world and I started seeing these things, I'm like, I already saw this. It was a different name, same game, different person, same exact type of comments. Trolls? Oh, I dealt with trolls to my face. I don't care about a troll. You can talk to me. I think it's kind of hilarious. You talk to me behind a bot. I'm like, I actually had people writing notes or saying that I, I will never forget in middle school. Oh, my gosh. I actually was bullied. And I, was, I was, I was never, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm like wittier now, but I was never good with like being able to think things on the spot, which is ironic mm. now because I'm a sports reporter. <laughs> it would always take me later to think about what I should have said because mm-hmm. in the spot, I always froze. Mm-hmm. And I had these girls that would pick on me terribly. And of course they were the girls I sat with at lunch because I didn't have anyone else to sit. And they would, every single day, they would just be talking about something, something about me, attacking me. And I just sat there every day, taking it, crying, mm. upset. I started writing out notes of comebacks of things I could say about <laughs> each of them. Like that's where I was. So a troll, a person who's sitting yeah. behind a computer, I literally mm-hmm. day after day put up with people to my face, calling mm-hmm. me everything because of my hair, my clothes, my clothes never fit. I was like a double zero, which I didn't even know was possible. Um, people are like, there's double zeros. Yes, I wore that. And it still was like too big on me. Like I was dealing with so much so to this mm-hmm. day. Anything that I face, I've already dealt with it. Politics, Mm -hmm. dealt with it. Racism, sexism, dealt with it. Discrimination, dealt with it. The more successful I got in life, the better I was as an athlete, for example, the harder it actually was. It wasn't Mm. easier. People weren't Mm. embracing me with open arms. The same people cheering for me and happy because I scored the game winning goal were the same people talking about me or um, trying to hurt me or whatever it was. So, Mm. you know, I honestly thank soccer because... Being a black girl in a white sport helped prepare me mm-hmm. for life. There's mm. nothing that I have seen, heard, dealt with that I've never done. And if I could deal with it as a kid with no self-esteem, 
honey, <laughs> you best believe I'm not the one because I don't need a notebook now of notes of comebacks. I'm good. Try me. So I'm like, always we grow, like, we I, yeah, I, I always I'm always like, all right, look, you don't want to see. I'm very positive, very friendly, but don't let me cross that line because mm. I definitely now have grown to a space where I realize everything that happened before was really for a reason. And I mm. really am a spiritual person and believe that nothing happens by mistake. You know, I wasn't bullied ter- terribly. There were people that were bullied worse. I wasn't left out. You know, again, it all could have been right, worse. Right, right. There's variations to it. There's variations to it, yeah. I, you know. But at the end of the day, to to be where I'm at now, like you talk about that confidence and people are always like, oh, you're this, you're that. I'm like, gosh, if you only knew me like a year ago, not even mm. like years, like a year ago. Um, mm. So yeah, I, so that's how I keep my voice because the, I've walked away from jobs where I felt like I was being harassed. I've walked away from opportunities where I felt like I was dealing with sexism or some sort of discrimination. I've literally walked and quit opportunities because I have no shame in doing that. Because yeah. what you're not going to do mm. is have me here like I was that little middle schooler at the lunch table putting up with this stuff. I know my worth. And if you're not going to treat me right, I don't care how much you pay me. I don't care what, what company you are or whatever else. It's not worth my time, my stress, my energy to have me sitting up in, in these spaces, turning a blind eye. So that's how I sustain it, because I understand that there's more to life than everything, including this career. That if I have to move, I move, I'll pivot. And then I'm going to make you regret not taking advantage of me being there and not not um, or welcoming me or not feeling like I belonged. So mm-hmm. that's kind of my motivation. It started out when I was younger wanting to like make the boys jealous. But now it's like, look, I, anybody that's ever, ever looked down on me, discredited me, assumed the worst about me, like that Amy says, I'm going to use it to, to fuel my hate, my hate fire, because I am definitely going to use that to motivate myself to show you exactly why I am exactly what you think I was not. So that's how I sustain it. <laughs> speak on it. Speak on it. I <laughs> mean, what is, I mean, seriously, like that's what the mic drop should be. But one thing I want to touch base too is I feel like everything you just said is what female athletes are currently doing, screaming at the top of their lungs on every mountaintop from the MLS to WMA to even the softball tournament to the Olympics. You know, Simone Biles killing it, making U.S. history and not one post on SportsCenter. Not one post on the Instagram account, but you want to cover Logan Paul losing to Mayweather every up and down way you could think of. So (laughs) I'm just, but my thing is one thing that off a comment that I saw that it's like, it's hard for people to be fans of something they're rarely exposed to. You know, Mm -hmm. you, if you don't expose people to the excitement that is Simone Biles is one of the greatest athletes ever. And people will be like, what? That's not true. Have you seen her? I've seen her acrobatic moves in slow motion and it, it defies gravity sometimes for me. But no one is noting you. You're covering the Washington Wizards. You're covering the Washington Mystics, WNBA, NBA. I know that they're trying to create that collaboration there. For you, what are the biggest things that you've seen, good and bad, from those two sports trying to kind of finally bridge that gap? Yeah, I mean, it starts with players like the one behind you in your picture, may he rest in peace, Kobe Bryant, of NBA players having to speak up because they do have the power. You do have people's attention. And I know they're doing a much better job of it. I like how the Mystics and Wizards kind of collaborate as like DC sports and do a lot together. Mm -hmm. We saw them around the Black Lives Matter protests together, united. They Mm -hmm. unite on a lot of issues. And that's the way it has to be. 
Like you should, especially if you have a team in the same market, you're Phoenix, you've got the, the Mercury and the Sun, you're DC, mm-hmm. you've got the Mystic and Wizards. You actually have a team, LA, you've got three teams. We have two of everything out here. (laughs) You know, like you guys have, you have to find a way to make sure you're promoting each other. And I even see it in soccer, actually, with the Philadelphia Union, where they're also collaborating across sports. The Union, the Sixers, the Phillies, they're promoting each other. Good luck today, Philadelphia Union. Or shout out to, you know, whatever it is, tagging each other. The players Mm -hmm. wearing each other's jerseys. Like, that's what has to happen. Because if we're not united then you're going to allow the trolls and the misogynistic and sexist and racist, ignorant people in our world to have power. Mm-hmm. But they can't have that power if you're speaking up. But the people that have to speak up cannot just be the ones that are m- most impacted by the gaps. So mm-hmm. if it is the, the the women in this case, if it's just us women, or if it is like when Colin Kaepernick took a knee, I always say, what about mm-hmm. if Tom Brady took a knee? You know, what if some of these people that had the most respect from those marg- those groups that are mm-hmm. keeping us marginalized, if they're the ones that are speaking up, then what? So mm-hmm. I think that the collaboration has to continue happening. You see more conversations around it, even things like as subtle as um, a lot of commercials are now having a male and a female athlete like State Farm has Chris mm-hmm. Paul and they have Sabrina Ionescu. You know, you have to have two um, the subway commercial was uh, Abby Wambach and you mm-hmm. say, you know, those are really good because you're now starting, as you mentioned, you're starting to show the other side. OK, this is a face that you need to see. Megan Rapinoe is in subway commercials and so is Draymond Green and Jason Tatum. It's not mm-hmm. all men, men, men. So I mm-hmm. like the way that we're seeing more diversity. We're seeing more inclusion. We're seeing more collaboration across sports and leagues and genders and everything because you have to close the gap together. It's not just us marginalized groups fighting for ourselves. It's got to be a, a united front. I don't know if you saw on Twitter, but I believe it was the Sun's uh, newspaper down there that tweeted out, like, it's so nice to have meaningful basketball again here in the desert. And the Phoenix Mercury retweeted him with, like, you know, <laughs> like they're like the fact that they just won a bunch of titles, Diana, uh, Diana Taurasi, uh, Brittany Grinder, like those kind of literally the face of the franchise. And then they released another tweet saying like meaningful Phoenix Suns basketball again. And it's like, well, that's not what you said. Mm-hmm. Because you're, tra- you're trained to think that women's sports aren't as valid. And uh, speaking of Kobe, the biggest thing that irks me is men that sit there, rep Kobe, mama mentality, you know, all this stuff, Kobe system, and then talk down about women's sports. It's like, how do you follow and and rep this man, but then go against everything that he was trying to work for, for his daughter, Gianna, rest in peace to her too, and movement of women's basketball. It it blows my mind the way that they're able to do those hand in hand. Like I literally, um, I had had tweeted something about women's basketball one time and then some guy commented like, like no one cares about women's sports. And literally his Twitter com was Kobe and Gianna. And I'm like, do you like make it make sense? <laughs> make it make sense because the truth of the matter is like one thing, like you said, the collaboration that these they're now starting to do, I think is great. I mean, basketball is basketball. I think that they're slowly, you know, having players help each other out. I think that's it. Just starts the conversation. And women's sports is growing. I mean, even Las Vegas, you know, you have the Aces. Yeah, they might they might have an MLB team going there too. They have the Las Vegas Raiders. Like the sports. Market is there. The women's sports market is there. 
It's just the fact yeah. that if you're if you're promoting it like it's not a big deal, then the ignorant side is going to think it's not a big deal. And I think that's the biggest thing that women's sports is really trying to break through. I mean, even now I've seen slowly the mainstream media, they'll post, you know, about yes, softball. Yeah, the softball World mm-hmm. Series and they'll post these players or they'll post athletes giving, you know, hats off to when um, Naomi Osaka, like having them give her her flowers as well. That took a while, you know, but Serena Williams did all that groundwork. Venus and Serena Williams did all that groundwork for Naomi and Coco to go on and and be the influential women in sports that our younger generation can now get that blueprint for. So right. I think for I think you're in an interesting position being a woman in sports, covering women and men's sports in the same city. I th- I mean I think that's I think that's one of the biggest things that biggest arts like tools in your arsenal box is being able to kind of go through those two things um but going on to a lighter subject covering those teams what is your best moment from each or like what is your what is your funniest story that you that you've encountered no so so it's not all bad we're not just over here trashing all the league (laughs) and all the men in the world we're not doing that (laughs) but uh, what is your like best moment that you had covering the wizards and covering the washington mystics yeah so um Definitely for the Mystics, it was the one of the a couple of the great points. One was actually the first game that I actually went to because I did grow up a fan of the WNBA and it was I'm very nostalgic and I'm so cheesy and corny. So I will <laughs> fully, 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 as if you can't tell already, uh, not even hide that. So um, I always when I was a kid, wanted to be a professional basketball player. I wanted to play the WNBA. Hmm. So when I went to the first Mystics game as a reporter. And I remember I, I took a picture on the court. It like hit me. I'm like, oh, I kind of made it. I kind of did achieve that. <laughs> I'm like, I actually think I posted that. I'm sure it's one of my Instagram posts. You're like, going to be like Carmelo Anthony with the pump fake and then go sit right. back in the crowd. <laughs> I'm like, I actually did make it to the WNBA, not in the role that I thought, not mm-hmm. in the way that I thought, but I did mm-hmm. make it. Like I have a kindergarten picture of me that I drew where I literally want to be a WNBA player. I grew up going to Liberty Games and, and watching the mystics and the comets. And I wanted that. So I was like, mm-hmm. Oh, full circle moment. I made it to the WNBA, just not mm-hmm. the way that I thought, but then also that first year was the year they won the championship. So not mm-hmm. bad at all. Um, but, um, the wizards actually, unfortunately I started covering them a year ago. So it was in the, like in the pandemic. So it hasn't mm-hmm. been nearly what I would have liked it to be since mm-hmm. I haven't been in person. But um, I think something that was just really exciting was the news that Russell Westbrook was going to the Wizards mm-hmm. and in the John Wall deal and, and just kind of seeing how that blew up and mm-hmm. the way that people were finally starting to catch on to the Wizards. Like I had been following them in, in the bubble and kind of telling people like this is a team that's they've got some pieces here. They've got some young players, players like Rui Hachimura, who um, you can see that just with a couple more pieces with a healthy Bradley Beal, with with some someone else that this is a team that makes some noise. So when Westbrook came in, I was like, this is this is it. This is the change that's needed. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of people were saying, no, no, no. You know, of course, bashing. They don't know the Wizards. They don't know nothing. I'm like, <laughs> nah, this Wizards team is going to be something else. Mm-hmm. And when they do, they make it to the playoffs, you know, which yeah. is something that they, that's a goal. That was a, a, definitely a goal of theirs. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, the pandemic has definitely halted a lot of things and changing that I'm not in person and I'm uh, able to be virtually connected. But Definitely just kind of seeing when you follow a team, like it's different if you're a fan of a team, if you Mm -hmm. follow a team and you're watching and you're in every press conference and you're keeping up with every update 
and you're hearing what the coach and the players are saying behind the scenes, it's it, that's what makes it fun because it's it's like you're invested as well. Like you're seeing things play out. You're seeing how they back in August are talking about their preseason goals and then come playoff time, that's mm-hmm. where they are, you know? So I think that's what makes it all so special on the sports side of like, you're upfront witnessing it happen from the inside. Everyone else is just getting whatever the media puts out or whatever mm-hmm. they, whenever they occasionally decide to tune in, but you're there every day watching the, you know, the work that's going into it. So I definitely uh, have some moments. I'm hoping that I'm going to have some more. Yeah, we definitely need you to have some more. We need you to keep covering and reporting and anchoring and all these things because I feel like telling these stories on both sides and being there on the ground floor of, you know, Bill needs some help. Let's just be honest. You, can, you can't be dropping 55 points a game and you lose. You can't be right. dropping low 65 points a game and you lose. Like, that's just not acceptable. You know what I'm no, saying? You can't be giving no, no, up no. 10 points in, in, in 35 seconds. It's just it's, it's not the way to do it. But so far, like you said, covering a pandemic, it hasn't been everything you wanted it to be. But who has been kind of your favorite athlete to interview thus far uh, while you're covering this team? Um, well, you know, I, I had it when I spoke to Natasha Cloud. She's someone that's very she like exudes this excitement mm-hmm. about her um, because she definitely is passionate about everything, whether on the court or off the court. So, um, you know, being in the locker room that I was fortunate, of course, to be in the mystics locker room, but being in the locker room and seeing just how like light she, she is. And she's like, so down to earth and so like fun. And, and she's, she loves the game, but she's also working hard. And she's also going to give you that personality off the, mm-hmm. you know, on and off the court. So I think she was someone that was like fun to talk to because sometimes players, I feel like, especially with the media, they, and you have to rightfully. So you have your guard up. Because mm-hmm. the media is always waiting to, for you. And I hate to say this as a person in the media, but there's a <laughs> lot of people out there that give us a bad name because they got it. They are, they're waiting for someone to slip up. They're waiting to catch something. And she was just kind of like, you felt like you've known her forever, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I, she's definitely someone that's been exciting. Um, but, you know, I've, I've talked to a number of players and coaches over the years that everyone just, it's, it's funny to just see their personality kind of off the floor, their demeanor, how they, you know, how they talk about their team, how they talk about them, mm-hmm. themselves, their routine, whatever it may be. But she was definitely one that I was like, ah, oh, you know, I think I could be cool with her. Like, <laughs> I think we could be friends. Like, <laughs> see, and that's, that's the thing I like coming about women's sports too, is because you can actually, you you can have that relationship that male reporters have with these male that with these male athletes. Bingo, exactly. And it's you, you get that camaraderie, you get that. Hey, I'm gonna text you, and then you let me know, or hey, I'm gonna walk you to your car, and we're gonna talk a little more. We're gonna get that breakdown. Obviously, it's different now because of um, yes. COVID, but it's different being in the locker room. And honestly, post pandemic, I honestly don't see us going back in the locker room, which I'm Not okay really with right. because let's be honest. Most of the time I got to look at my phone. I got to look at the floor. I got to look at the ceiling. Like that's it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the rules of going in the locker room, you know, it's just, you can't, even if you're not staring at them, you can't just daze off. You, you can't, can't. get your notebook. No, no. Notebook, watch where you walk. Or walk, watch, watch where you walk. If I remember like when I do interviews, sometimes like I'll have the audio guy, like uh, a guy is changing. I'll turn around. I'll tap the audio guy. Like, let me know when he has pants on. And I'll just wait and then I'll get the tab. You good. And I turn right back around because that's, that's what you got to do. You know, and I, yeah. I'm look, I'm in the ad. The way I look at it is like I'm in the athlete space. This is your exactly. space. This is your safe haven. So I'm not going to yeah. come in here rah rahing about whatever. But I'm also not going to sit there and act naive, like just staring at you while you change it. No, because I wouldn't do that to a female athlete either. And, and we have to carry <laughs> ourselves differently. You know, that's the other side of it is like the way how we stand. Even yes. how we stand. Yes. 
if you are in the locker room and you're getting caught and you are zoned out and you're just looking in the direction of a player, someone's taking that and running with it. Or maybe yeah. not, but you don't want to take that risk. Yep. So you do have to carry yourself differently. I, I'm not going to lie. The Zoom press conferences have been amazing to be able to sit in. I'm not in a, in a scrum of people. I'm just sitting breathing my, on each other comfortably on my couch, wherever, um, <laughs> listening, asking questions. So I'm not going to lie. I'm a little spoiled myself, too of what that that dynamic actually brings. So maybe yeah. that'll stay for a little longer. I'm cool with that. Yeah, that or at least just coming in for press conferences. Because one of the things I'm sure you know is athletes do not like talking to the media for like what you said. You know, they're just waiting for that moment where yep. you're going to make them look bad and things like that. So I, you know, I cover the Dodgers and I was started as a field producer back in 2019. So a year before the world ended and <laughs> just kind of being in the locker room, there is benefits to it, you know, because it's just consistency. These players are seeing your face every single day because there's reporters that come in just for that series, just for that game, just for because another big name players in town and then they're yeah. out. So they're not going to sit there and and open up to you and have this kind of relationship with you if you're not going to be here tomorrow. So right. that part, that part I do miss just having the, you know, access to be like, hey, you know, how's your day going? Hey, have you been? Um, especially in baseball when they play every single day or, you know, basketball where they're pra- you're going to practice, you're going to their media scrums, you're going to their nonprofit events outside the court. Mm-hmm. It's just having that consistency is very, very key. Shout out to you for being a color commentator because that's not easy. And you're doing it for like Ivy League teams yes. and all this stuff. Oh. So much, much, much respect to you. But before we get out of here, I do like asking all my guests, what is one of your favorite quotes? that you like to kind of lean on or live by? No, you you probably have multiple, but if you had to pick one for right now. I'm a big quote person. Um, I would definitely say I love Dr. King's quote. And I, somebody just asked me this answer like two days ago. So I'm going to stick with the same one though. Um, (laughs) We don't get nothing new. We don't get nothing original. What you mean? This is really like my favorite quote. I need to actually get the exact verbatim quote, but um, go ahead, go ahead. That you don't have to see the full staircase to take the first step. I've taken a lot of steps in faith in my life and all aspects of my life. And I always do believe that everything that is happening, and I'm going to tweak this part of my answer. So this is different, but everything that is happening happens for a reason. There's no surprise. Mm -hmm. There's no accident. There's no mistakes. You know, it's do the good, the bad, everything in between. Sometimes it doesn't make sense, but it will make sense. So you just have to continue to take that next step. Just keep moving forward. And honestly, for me, That's a lot of what I've done in my career and and really just who I am of trying to find ways to continue to to like grow outside of um, what makes most sense. Like if Mm -hmm. things are too easy, if things are too simple, I almost like get nervous. I'm like, all right, this is I'm I'm not doing enough. It's Mm -hmm. getting too easy. It's getting too like Mm -hmm. mundane and and day after day is the same. I need to do something to mix it up because I need to feel like I'm still being challenged in everything that I'm doing or else I'm not growing, you know, like growth does not happen. And I heard this quote too, and I loved it, but growth does not happen in the the comforts of our area code. Meaning mm-hmm. like if everything is always easy for you in life. Like think about those, those kids that were given stuff on a silver platter. You're never going to be uncomfortable. You're never going to grow. So mm-hmm. for me, it's about taking those steps, finding ways to invest in myself, challenge myself, learn, grow, and continue to have that faith that everything I am doing I'm slowly moving up the staircase. I'm slowly, I'm slowly getting a, a little bit closer with each day to what I want to be one day. So that definitely is like my favorite quote of now, but that changes a lot. So tying <laughs> that into one of my quotes that I like, I like to share with 
whatever guest I have on. It's funny that you picked that one because the quote that I was going to use for the specific interview was don't confuse routine with commitment. And that's one of the ones that I personally like because like it can be it's so easy to get stuck in something yes. and think that you love it because you just do it all the time. Truth of the matter is that's that's not that's not what commitment is. Commitment is wanting to make better what you're doing, wanting to push forward what you're doing. Mm-hmm. If you're just doing it every single day, that's not commitment. That's just what you do. You just get up, you do what you got to do and you go right. home. But that commitment comes from how can I make this day different? How can I add a little flavor to what I'm doing? And I think for, you know, professionals and colleagues like me and you, we go into the workforce and it's like, okay, I started with one job, but now I got this. Okay, I'm I'm a I'm a good reporter, but now I want to I'm trying to anchor. Now, you know, how can I utilize my speaking talent on TV? Oh. I could write it down, be an author. And then now if I want to speak to my, mm-hmm. my book science, oh, no, I could be emotional. It's like you always try to find, that's commitment to your craft. I love that. You know, so that's one of the ones I wanted to drop on you. I wanted to share with you because I like your quote too, but it, it does just, it, go, it just happened that it goes really hand in hand with what I wanted to talk about. We already established that we're going to be best friends. So oh, <laughs> my, best friend, my best friend now might not like that. You're allowed to have more than one best friend. She's going to come, she's going to come and now they're like, no, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> so we talked, so we touched on your best quote. What is the best advice? you've ever received throughout your career? Oh, um, I've heard a lot of good things. One that I definitely think that stands out to me is uh, one of my very first mentors always told me to dress for the job you one day want to have, not the one that you do have. Mm. And I've taken that and extended it to not only dress, but just carry yourself. You know, every piece of content you put out, you just never know who's watching, who's listening, who's phone or computer or TV, your face is going to come across. So not only do you dress for that job, just carry yourself in the same way, whether it's a podcast, whether it's um, a free show, whether you're a guest, whatever it may be, just always carry yourself in a positive light. Because a lot of the opportunities I've actually had came from somebody seeing me, somebody coming across my work and then following me and then reaching out and we have a conversation. So this industry is so much about not only who you know, but it's your name, it's your face, it's your work. And every time you are able to connect with someone, you want to try to build your audience, not push people away. So um, I think that definitely, once she said that, I was like, oh, that kind of makes sense. Because I was, as we were talking about before, um, mm-hmm. dressing in jeans and dressing very laid back. And I, I didn't know how to dress. But Speak she's like, no, where, wherever you want to be one day, you, you dress like that. You carry your hair, your makeup, your mm-hmm. outfit. You dress like you are on ESPN in Bristol, Connecticut or or with Skip and Shannon on The Undisputed. So that definitely is something that like shook me a little bit. Like, duh, but it makes so much, like it's, it makes so much sense, but I hadn't been thinking that way. You always kind of get lost of where you are, but that's not where you're trying to be. That's not where you're trying to get to. So I shouldn't prepare for where I'm at now. I should be preparing for where I want to one day be. So. Speak on it, speak on it, speak on it. And that's one of the biggest advices I think that we can share with our listeners because it is very true. And you know, I got to admit this. The girls that used to dress like that, I used to be like, oh, my God, why are they so extra? <laughs> the truth <laughs> of the matter is, like, they they were extra. They were just adding that extra layer that you got to do to make it in this business. And I hadn't caught on to that, that game yet. And right. once I did, once I realized, like, because I was really big on, you know, I'm a tomboy or, like, you know, I don't, yeah. don't want to do my hair. I don't want to do my makeup. I don't want to spend the time. I don't, I, I almost used to be, take pride 
in that I didn't wear a lot of makeup. I used to take pride in that. You I did didn't. Like, I yeah. like naturally. Exactly. <laughs> or like, oh, I don't got to do my hair. Like, girl, I don't care. Like, I just having like that, okay. exactly. <laughs> having that confidence to leave the house without your makeup on. I, I mean, I still, I still take pride in that. But I also learned, like, it's not, it's not bad to do it. And I had to get that out of my head. Like, it's not bad to dress nice, have a nice purse, have popping heels, have this, have that. If when you go in, you're not all show. Mm -hmm. If you walk in that way, you better talk that way too. And that's one of the things that I think you, me, and women like us in our our industry, like, really try to do. It's like, if I'm a dress like this, I know what comes with that. So right. I better back up what I say. So I think that's I think that's great advice. I'm happy you shared that with us. And again, we appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much once again for sharing your best quote and as well as the best advice you could have. Of course, of course. Thank you again so much for having me. And I will actually add to it and take it a step further. I know we're like wrapping up here. Um, <laughs> but I think that the the biggest thing that you have to remember within that is that if you have goals, you don't just you're not just ready when you step into that company or that job. It's kind of like being, again, I always use sports as an analogy. If I want to be able to win championships, if I want to win championships, Mm -hmm. it doesn't just happen when I get to the championship. You're preparing Mm -hmm. for that so that when you get there, it becomes a lot easier. So if I'm not ready for that job or that next opportunity, when I get there, you you can't make mistakes then. That's not when you practice. That's not when you put the work in. The work Mm -hmm. starts when you are the MMJ or you are on a podcast, whatever it may be. So I think so many times people think they're just going to be able to switch it on when it's game time. No, you you practice harder than you play. And mm-hmm. all that that repetition, everything, that's the practice. So I, I know we've been getting into a lot of nuggets of information here. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate you for having me on just to be able to have some real conversation around sports-ish. Um, and it's been a pleasure being on the show with you. So thank you. And you can make sure you follow her on Twitter, Renee P. Wash, and Instagram, Renee P. Washington, because, you know, you're going to want to follow her after this great conversation <laughs> we just had. And make sure you follow me on Instagram at Hernandez underscore LA, as well as on Twitter at E. Hernandez TV. So, Renee, thank you so much for joining the show. It was an awesome conversation. We touched on a bunch of topics. I appreciate your honesty. I appreciate your honesty. I think I caught you by surprise a little bit. But is there anything else you want to add before we get out of here? <laughs> You definitely did because you did some serious research and also because of the fact we have so much in common. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I do really appreciate you having me on. It's it's always great to see someone like yourself that's just doing so many awesome things with your work. And, you know, you do a tremendous job with your show. So it's been a pleasure <laughs> joining you. And hopefully, um, you know, the sky's the limit and hopefully we can continue to stay connected after this. So definitely. I'm excited to see what's next for you in your future as well. Oh, for sure. You know, in that season two of this, you will be on here talking, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, the, the Washington Mystics and the Washington Wizards will have done something in the playoffs and go on. I mean, recently, at least. <laughs> but thank you so much, Ken. We appreciate you. And thank you once again. You guys can continue listening to Sportsish. Make sure you comment, like, and follow us and subscribe to everything. We appreciate your ears for the hour. Remember, there's a new episode of Sportsish every Tuesday, so don't miss out. And before I get out of here, I have to play the latest track from an artist right here in LA, Instagram Swavy Nestle. Here it is with Long Way Home. My speakers up so you hear it. On my neck, that's 24 carat. And my joint still lit, I'm ashen as I take the long way home.
On my mind all the time, need the cash, man Shoot my shot to the sky, watch me get there In my rear view, see the rose bow As I take the long way home Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.